Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 116, The Church of Jesus Christ. Welcome back, friends. Hey, I just wanted to start out by letting you know what a privilege it is to be able to do this podcast. Anyone can do a podcast. It's really, you could, if you wanted to, you could go and start one today. Anyone can do a podcast. But the fact that you listen, the fact that you listen and you recommend it to your friends, you reach out to me privately and let me know what the podcast means to you or when you listen to it. A lot of you listen to it while driving to work. That's awesome. I am so grateful that you listen and that even though I know I haven't been as consistent and it tears on my heart, I just appreciate your understanding that when I do post, you listen. And again, I appreciate those who rate the podcast because I don't go begging for you to. I want to be really careful with with that. And so the fact that you take it upon yourself to rate this podcast is amazing to me. I'm not super active on social media. It is a drain to me, to be honest with you. And I just appreciate how you take care of me by recommending this podcast and by just your compliments, how you reach out to me and and let me know just what this means to you. So anyways, I just want to start out by thanking you because my heart feels gratitude sitting here at this microphone knowing that I am not just speaking to myself, but I'm speaking to to you. And I'm hoping to be able to speak heart to heart to you. And so today, I want to ask you, what does it mean to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ? to become one of his children, to belong to him. What does that mean or even look like? How do we comprehend that? And there at the waters of Mormon, the Nephites who were interested in the word of God, who had heard Alma preach, perhaps he had come to them privately, perhaps they had even been believers from the very beginning when they heard Abinadi's preaching, or, you know, maybe... They even believed before that. But here we are. The people had gathered themselves to the pure waters to learn the next steps that they need to take in their conversion, which I believe to do so for them. I believe that it was them taking a stand. They were defying their king. They were seeking spiritual life, knowing that physical life could be in danger. Remember Abinadi had just lost his life for Jesus Christ. And now you have people who have snuck out of their cities and they have come to the waters of Mormon to hear, to hear what Abinadi had taught Alma. These Nephites, they were resetting their priorities and they were in that moment through their faithful action, they were repenting. They were changing their minds and they were changing their thoughts about God and they were being reminded of the desire that God has for them. For to become a child of Christ, 
you must put off the natural man. And it is to engage in a transformation of becoming born again and of choosing him. And through our baptism, we become part of Israel. And like our prophet just taught us a few weeks ago, we commit to let God prevail in our lives, not the natural man, not our pride, but God. So what does that mean? What does that look like? And how do we know that we are letting God prevail or doing what a child of Christ should and would do? And how do we qualify to have the Lord pour out his spirit more abundantly upon us? Well, Mosiah chapter 18 plainly reveals this to us. Alma lays it out, and I believe that it is made plainly clear to this people because they are at a crossroads. This group of people, have they've passed all the exits, and they're being given one last escape from the path of destruction, and they're being offered for the very last time to be put on a course towards eternal life and to be redeemed, to be righted, to be rescued. And I can't help but liken that to us here in the year 2020 with the direct and the clear counsel that we just received from General Conference. How plainly clear were we spoken to by prophets of God? I'm grateful to be with you. I'm grateful that you and I, through this podcast, have decided to come together today to the pure waters of Mormon, and we desire to partake of the goodness that Alma is offering to us, to the Nephites. That goodness is how to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, and it really comes down to what or who do we talk of? Who do we choose to be? How do we treat others? And therefore, what is holding us back from being baptized? I love how Alma asks that question to the people there. You know, it always boils down to the first and second great commandments. What does it mean to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ? It is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And that's it. That's it in a nutshell. But let's let Alma get even more specific with us. So first, what do we learn in chapter 18 about what or who members of the Church of Jesus Christ talk of? No doubt, it's Jesus. Jesus Christ is our center or he should be. Everything, everything is because of Jesus. All of our hope and our blessings, all of our purpose, well, it is made in and through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Therefore, who and what should we talk of? Alma models for us that we should speak of repentance, that it is possible and it is real and it is extended to all. What a relief. What a joy. What a pleasure life becomes when we know we can repent. We can fix our mistakes. We can change our mind about the direction that we're headed. And we can start again. Did you know this? 
You can repent and you can change your mind right now. If you're uneasy about the direction that you're headed, you can change course. And as a member of the Church of Christ, as his child, you can include him. And therefore, he can help you move forward and love and hope for better than what you're experiencing right now. And that is repentance. We also should speak of redemption. That our repenting isn't just shallow words and ideas that we utter from our mouths and then just evaporate into thin air. But our words, they create. They matter and they are honored by a perfect being who is merciful and full of grace. That his enabling power enables us to become what we simply could not become on our own because we trip. Because we burden ourselves with our follies and because, you know, we get in our own way. (laughs) How many of you experience that? Yes, we all do. And I have to tell you, that is what I most love about life coaching with my clients. Because they are good people. They are doing so much better than they give themselves credit for. But there are just little things Little things that their brains do that trip them up and it just takes gentle tweaks with some patience on their part and also them extending themselves mercy that allows them to just step aside and get out of their way. And Jesus Christ, he is the master at making that process possible. He comes and he lifts all of that burden from us so that we can move forward. And it is faith in Jesus Christ. Faith that all of this that I have said is true and hope that better things are to come. And all of that is made possible because of Jesus Christ. And so we love to talk of him and to look to him as our example and our mentor and our savior. He is our great teacher. He is the father of our spiritual rebirth. He is our redeemer. Now, being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, becoming one of his children, should never be something that is forced upon someone else. No one is forced to make covenants with God. But it must come from each and every member's personal desire to follow their Lord. Therefore, we were and are willing to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And we are willing and want to enter into a covenant with him because we desire to be called his people. We strive to serve him. We try to keep his commandments and we give thanks to him every single day. We recognize his holy Sabbath day and we observe it and we keep it holy We know it's not to restrict us, but we do it to show our devotion and our love to him. To show that we are always willing to remember him. To welcome him more abundantly into our daily lives. We do it to let him prevail in our lives. Instead of all the competing noise that the world offers. And when we do this... When we strive to live by his standards and then repent and have faith in the Lord in his redemption, we can stand 
as a witness of God at all times and in all things and in all places. Aren't you grateful for the young women theme that still includes that even though it's changed? Now, to be a witness, it is to have a knowledge of an event or change from personal observation or experience. That's the definition. So what better witness is there than the one that you can testify of? That Jesus Christ lives and that you are changed for the better because of him. And once we can witness of this change in ourselves that Jesus Christ has brought upon us, because of our faithful actions that we have done, because of our repentance, because we have sought him and sought his redemption, then how do we then desire to treat others? And this is important. Never ever should the gospel of Jesus Christ create an elitism in us. All are welcome. All can partake of his atonement. And therefore, we should walk among the children of men as examples of, of this very possibility, reflecting to them that God loves them and is actively making room at that very moment for them. We love others and we extend that love to others because God first loved us and we know how it feels. He took us and he filled us. He made us whole and he promises even more to us and to all. Amazingly, his promises are without end, and he brings what we all desire. He brings us safety and peace and joy and belonging, and he fills us so that we can then go fill others by willingly bearing one another's burdens that they may be light. Now, I have always thought of this as lightening someone's load so it isn't heavy and draining. And I believe that's true. But this week, the thought came to me that bearing one another's burdens can mean walking beside them, not taking away their experience, not sparing them from what they need to go through, but sharing the load with them. However, allowing the transformation that burdens often create within us so that we may be light, a light that shines, a light that shines on Jesus Christ, a light that has overcome something with Jesus Christ by our sides. And it was all made possible with the help of the children of Christ, because we helped them steady themselves when things became heavy. We helped them endure when they thought they'd succumb. And we loved them so that they could see the moment through that they were experiencing until the light of Christ could not be dimmed from their eyes. It could not be held back. They became light and they became a witness to others because of what they experienced and went through. And because his power and his redemption worked, therefore they became light and all things worked for their good. I believe this comes when we also mourn with those that mourn. We don't talk them out of mourning, but we allow hearts to mourn and our hearts mourn with them. I know that this can feel uncomfortable sometimes. 
It feels so much better to have an explanation for everything so that we can explain things away and not feel those feelings that are deep and raw. But we weren't commanded to solve their problems and convince them to be happy. Instead, we were commanded to mourn with those that mourn. And knowing that God is the supreme creator of us, what benefit is there for us to go and mourn with others? Does it allow our hearts to love unabashedly? Does it create strength in us as we hold space for them so they can return back? Because we have faith that it's all going to work out, even if they're lacking that in the moment. We hold space for them. We allow them to hurt. We allow them to go through their inquiries, to throw it all on the table, and to pick up piece by piece what they choose to believe in that moment. Does it deepen our testimony and allow the Spirit to whisper truths to us and to reconfirm to us that despite our lack of understanding in the moment, He understands it? And somehow, if we let Him, God will prevail. I believe it's all three and much more. Mourning is sacred. And it is love at its deepest, both for those who are mourning and those who are mourning with them. And remarkably, we are commanded to have no contention with one another, but we should knit together our hearts in unity and love towards another. Can you imagine? I hope you can. I hope you've had an experience in the church that has shown you, even a glimpse will do, but that it's shown you not only of the possibility, but the tremendous progress that we can make when we are knit together and when we avoid contention. And if you can't, remember, we speak of repentance, redemption, and faith on the Lord. So let those start being spoken so that they can come alive in the moment. Because we are commanded to gather, to assemble as often as it is in our power to assemble ourselves together. And I like how Alma wrote that because that is so applicable to our day. I appreciate this reminder because many of us are beginning this process of meeting together again after not being able to meet because of COVID-19. And some of us have felt that we don't need necessarily to reconvene, that home church is good enough. And I get it, I do. But there is a sweetness in seeing the saints of God coming together despite their circumstances and doing their best to practice being like Christ, taking their time to serve, comforting, witnessing of him, practicing knitting our hearts together because of the commonality of our love of Jesus Christ and of God the Father. It helps us to keep our selfishness in check. It helps to remind us to get out of ourselves and to open our hearts to others who may be struggling and we didn't know it. And then we're commanded to impart of our substance. Everyone according to that which they have. And what is your substance that you have been given to impart? Is it your money, your food, your clothes? Is it your time, your talents, your strength? Is it your compassion? Is it your testimony, your smile, 
we are commanded to impart. And if we have more abundantly, we should impart more abundantly. And of him that have but little, but little should be required. And to him that had not should be given. And I like to think of that as going beyond money. But I know when I have been lacking and someone has blessed me abundantly with love or optimism, I have been blessed. The children of Christ are to do so to impart of their substance with their own free will and good desires towards God. So this is not something that someone should be compelled to do. And I believe that we're making strides to do this when we, when we give our fast offerings and our tithing and make donations to various charities and funds. However, we also do this in our callings in the church, in our roles, in our family, and in our daily dealings with our fellow men. There's never a lack of opportunities to impart whatever we deem our substance to be and to give it to others who have less of it. And a wonderful example of that and something that Alma taught this group of followers is that the leaders of their church should labor with their own hands for their support. No more of this corruption that Noah and his priests engaged in. No more of the intoxicating influence of riches and lasciviousness. But their reward for their labor shall be for them to receive the grace of God, his enabling power, that they might wax strong in the Spirit, having a knowledge of God, so that they might teach with power and authority from God. These are spiritual gifts, gifts of the Spirit that shall be their privilege and blessing as they lead the children of God in this good work. And speaking of blessings... The children of Christ, his followers that have done their best to live their part, can and shall expect to be filled with the Spirit, to be redeemed of God, and numbered with those of the first resurrection, that they may be filled with the grace of God, that he may pour out his Spirit more abundantly upon them until he grants unto them eternal life. This is letting God prevail. It is with joy walking in his footsteps. It is each day trying to be a little more like him and clearing out space for him. It is exercising his ways when the world would teach you to be and do otherwise. It is keeping those baptismal covenants that we've made and doing so all of our days that he may fill us and add upon us more abundantly These teachings and images filled the people that Alma spoke to with a renewed hope and joy that they clapped their hands and exclaimed to Alma that it was the desire of their hearts to be baptized. They began with 204 souls that day, but before they are warned to depart, their numbers will double. But we'll leave that story for another day.